0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Terry Burnett. Uh, She has led an advertising sales team for a major cable company, served on a church ministry staff, founded three nonprofits, and helped many women start their own nonprofits, Now, she's the founder and executive director of the Women's Nonprofit Alliance, providing back office support for frontline women. She helps women become more confident and competent in their calling by keeping them on mission. Now, Terry uses her experience and acquired knowledge to coach women to lead thriving organizations. She's a certified trainer specializing in board development, strategic planning, and developing a fully invested team. A repeat guest panelist for Dallas Theological Seminary, Terry has also presented for conferences conferences such as Life's Way You Lead, Arise, Ministries, Survive and Thrive, and many more. So you can find her at womensnpa.org, womensnpa.org. Terry, welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Who knew we could get along? It's fantastic. Uh, Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: Wow. Okay. Yes. So first of all, thanks, Joseph, for having me. Uh, it's, it's an honor. And listening to your past podcasts, um, I'm in good company. And I, I just think that that's awesome what you're doing. The t- filling in the blanks, I started out in the business world. And uh, what little known fact, I guess, probably from those who know me in the nonprofit world, is that I actually, my, my first uh, passion and job was in fashion. I graduated from the Fashion and Art Institute of Dallas which is now just the Art Institute of Dallas, uh, with a merchandising degree. Started out on the floor, uh, sales floor, worked my way up to a buyer in a uh, department store in Austin, Texas. And was there for, in my early twenties, buying, traveling, going to markets in other uh, states, New York and countries, and uh, just a really exciting job for someone my age. And uh, it was a a dream realized at an early age. But then uh, things changed and my And and I will add at that point, I was not following God and had a a very active party life, which caught up with me very fast and couldn't, and it crashed and burned at an early, early place in my career. So then started back, got married, things changed, found God. That was the biggest thing that was, that changed in my life. Uh, Got in the business world into sales and marketing and that stayed there for a while then, raised my children. So I have three boys and became a stay-at-home mom for quite a while. And then when I was reentering back into work life, I was approached by our church to help out and to uh, become on staff there. And it was a church that in the denomination I was in, it didn't hire a lot of women in, in director's roles or in pastoral roles mm. and didn't give the title of pastor, which is fine. Uh, that, But I did have a director's role in the church and had a seat at the table, got to make some decisions with the, the pastors. They heard my voice. It was a great uh, relationship there, very positive experience working for the church. And one of my things I was over was women's ministry. Loved that. um Use my business sense and and business experience to to lead in that role. But I noticed that a lot of women didn't have that experience and didn't have uh, didn't have business skills. They were in the church serving mainly because they had the time and the passion, but not really the 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 business sense. And so there were some things that were happening that caused uh, women led things to not be so successful. And I was watching Mm -hmm. that happen, and I thought, okay. Men go to conferences and pastors get together and they go to lunch and they play golf and they do things, but they talk, you know, they're, they're, um, they have their community and they're building into each other. Well, that wasn't happening so much. And, I, and I'm talking more than 20 years ago, by the way, that wasn't happening so much in that timeframe. Uh, so I, with women and they weren't mainly some because of the male, female thing and the, the, the barrier between that, you know, and, and some of it is just beliefs in what men and women can do. So. I thought, okay, my business skills, I can, I can teach that. I know you know how to do that. And so I believe that the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to be the one that does that. And so I started out within my church. Other people started hearing, um, started going to their churches at some point. I thought, I heard the Lord say, you're going to step out and you're going to do this as your own nonprofit in 2003. I uh, did that and worked with women within the church and church leadership for about five years. Then two women uh, came to me and said, you've started this nonprofit. I know you're helping women within the church. Do you think you can help us start our own nonprofit? And at that point it was sort of like, well, what does that look like? That's an umbrella organization. I have no idea how to do that, but the Lord provided. And that in 2008, we started the nonprofit side of it, helping women. It was called the Alliance Partnership. So we had proven way ministries, which was actually the original name of the nonprofit. So it was proven way ministries was the umbrella and women's and the Alliance Partnership was a program of that. Well, we realized quickly that was the biggest, fastest growing part of our organization. And in 2016, we realized we sort of had the, you know, the the tail wagging the dog, I guess you could say, because the the bigger thing was the nonprofits, the, the women that were trying to start nonprofits. So we changed our name in 2016 to reflect our passion, which is now called Women's Nonprofit Alliance. And our sole focus is helping startups uh, and those led by Christian women to grow their nonprofits with best practices. Uh, we do, we are guided by bi- biblical principles, but we are primarily a best practice focused organization. We talk about exciting things like compliancy and uh, financial integrity and all of the things that the business side of things that a lot of women in nonprofit in the nonprofit world don't really like to do. They have the passion and they want to get out there and serve. We do the behind the scenes. We are back office support for frontline women. And that's where we are today.
0: So Terry, I'm pretty sure I could just finish the show right here. Cause I asked you to fill in a few gaps. You gave me the whole life story. Oh, dude, so I, I think we're complete. Okay. So let's just finish. I'm just, Sorry about that. I'm, I'm a BC yeah. nation. Terry just filled in a lot there. Right. And she kind of walked you through the entire journey. And, you know, sometimes when we reflect, when we ask the question, right? Like, Hey, fill in some of the gaps. We're just like, Oh man, here's all the stuff I've been through in my life. And There was good times and rough times and God times, and then no God times. Um, And Terry, I really wanna go there with that. Um, So I'm gonna dig in as best I can uh, into that five minute of content rich um, uh, that you just gave us backstory. Um, But before we do take a minute, a minute, I'm messing with you. I hope you're okay with that. (laughs) I'm playful. Uh, Take a minute and share something personal. Uh, about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Hmm.
1: Okay. I've really become a student of trauma and what that does to you, not only as a leader, but just in life and the baggage that uh, it brings in and, and the work that has to be done to work through that. So just through, through life experiences, the Lord has given me some very unique in my opinion experiences on uh, dealing with people in trauma and then dealing with some of the things, not that I, I grew up with such hard hardships and things that I I know some of my friends have, but there have been things that I realized has shaped me and formed me in a way that were not having positive uh, effects on my life. So I became a very much of a student of that, uh, of drama and I mean, of trauma in people's lives. (laughs) Sometimes it can look
0: similar, right?
1: Trauma brings drama. Uh, So I I thought, well, what is it? that, um, that causes that. And then at one point in my life, I had a transitional house where women who had, uh, were in transition usually because of trauma or or something in their life came and lived with me. And so during that time, I really got to watch these women and listen to them and learn from them and see, and it made me more self-aware It made me start asking some hard questions in my life that some patterns that I would see, you know, theirs were pretty extreme and, and way worse life experiences than I'd been through. But, um, I just have this fascination with, uh, you know, how that affects our lives and, and what it does to our uh, ability to carry out God's will for your life. And if you don't work on that, and if you don't fight that, and if you don't go into spiritual battle with that, which is what I learned from one particular dissociative identity disorder person, that uh, it, it can really, uh, you know, you, you just, I just don't believe you'll be as effective as God wants you to be until you work that out. So I don't, I don't think a lot of people know that I am such a student of trauma and, and the things that, and, and a self-awareness is such an important piece of leadership for me. Um, I think maybe that would be the answer to that question.
0: Got it. Okay. So let's go back to when you were younger and God was not present in your life and sounded like you were partying and doing that whole experience of acting out, right? I've done it. Um, I did five years, right? Retired early, did okay in business and uh, partied away everything, lost it all. Very prodigal son, right? Ended up in the pigsty and then came back to my senses, so to speak. And I love in the prodigal son story, um, the actual translation of come back to his senses. He came back to his senses is he came back to himself, meaning his identity, that he was son of a loving father. And that's what brought him home. And I wanted to ask, how do you connect with that in your own story? Um, you're partying, you're going through all that stuff. What was the turnaround? What was that moment or that event that really made you look up
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe for the first time in a long time and, and look to God with your life?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I grew up in a family that went to church on Sunday, but uh, there was no relationship and the prayers that were offered at mealtime were, were just more ceremonial and not, uh, there was no, you know, no talk of Jesus. It was more, I heard God a lot, but I, I didn't hear about Jesus in the relationship and that type of thing. So I would say, you know, so it, it wasn't a, 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 the Christian upbringing that a lot of people that are in ministry today and, you know, that have, have had, so I, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't, you know, it was just neutral. I would say it's very neutral. Then but the, the message that came, I came away with was from two very independent parents who were very much into their careers and successful in their own right was be successful and just figure things out for yourself. So that's, that's what I took as the message. And so I did. So in my late tw- uh, teens and early twenties, I tried and did most everything. And I, I really you know, fell in my face a lot, but would always get back up and go into that partying scene and somehow still was able to climb the corporate ladder up and to be a buyer but like I said I, I crashed and burned because it was just too much uh, to mm-hmm. live that lifestyle and to try to work as many hours as, as involved in retail work at that point so I in the meantime my older sister who was sort of my partner in crime as far in partying we we have some horrific stories of things that we did together well she was changing. And I noticed that she wasn't telling me anything about why she was changing, but I just noticed she was softening. Some things were happening. Um, so in one of my hit bottom moments, um, I remember asking her, what is different about you? What, why are you, you know, having less bottom out moments than I am? And she said, well, I found something new in my life. And, I you know, hope that you find it too, but you're just going to have to search. She really wouldn't, she didn't feel comfortable at that time telling me because I think she felt embarrassed because she was such a partner in crime with me that she was embarrassed to tell me this is what I'm doing now. And it, it was going to church and having a relationship with Jesus. So I, I really like,
0: I really like the way she um, presented that in marketing and business. That's called a hook, right? She put a hook, Hey, I'm doing this thing. I can't tell you about it. It's working. It's helping me, but you'll have to find it on your own. And you're actually, like, what's the thing?
1: She definitely uh, put the hook in. And then uh, one, you know, part of my story that again, might surprise some people, I am very honest and transparent with it now, but don't have the opportunity to say it a lot is that I became, uh, I I was married very quickly during that time, came pregnant right away. Uh, He left because of that. He, there was no room in his life for a baby. And And he, and he was partying so was I. So I was just in that mode as well. So I'm not blaming him, but he, he left. And so I'm three months pregnant and, Uh, was still living that lifestyle. uh, And I remember thinking, okay, something's got to change. So my mom shows up because my older sister knew was the only person that knew about this, told my mom, my mom shows up at the U-Haul. I was in Austin at the time. She was in Wichita Falls and she says, you're coming home with me. Well, my pride would not have let me call her uh, or tell her this, but she knew. So she came, that was a turning point in my life. So she came and got me. It was a starting over point. So I'm in my, I'm in, and she had recently gotten divorced. My father and and mother had gotten divorced and that was a a real traumatic thing for me. And she's not doing well herself. Uh, She's involved. uh, She's turned towards alcohol and and, uh, it's deep depression, but still she came and got me. So we were Mm -hmm. together uh, trying to, you know, just do the best we could. I'm, I'm three months pregnant and she's has her own issues to deal with. And my sister who's still in Austin sends me a gospel track in the mail. And I, that's, that was her way of telling me, you know, she gave me the hook. Now she's giving me the meat. So she sends me the, the track and I read it and I do everything it asks, you know, tells you to do. I repeated the prayer. Uh, I meant it. I felt this weight go off and I accepted Christ. I was 25 uh, in that moment in, in the apartment. And uh, it was, it was very real. And that was, again, part of that turning point in my life.
0: Mm. Thank you, sister, and thank you, mama, right? Um, The love of family that interrupts our pride, interrupts our ego, steps in, leans into the uncomfortable um, sometimes. And I see this in a lot of the work I do in my family relationship coaching. Um, So many family members are not willing uh, to lean into the uncomfortable parts of their relationship with people they love when they see them hurting. And then see them suffering. They see they don't know how to get out of it. They don't want to bring it up because they don't want to offend them or they don't want to make the little bit of a relationship they have with them worse. And I I really just acknowledge your mom and your sister for the way they did that, even with their own struggles. They didn't have it all figured out yet. This is such a powerful, powerful thing because so many times we think we can't help someone else until we have our own life or mess cleaned up, right? But here's your mom with a life that wasn't really working. It sounds like, um, but saying, Hey, what can I do with the little I have for my daughter who I love, who's, you know, in a place of confusion, suffering, she's young, she doesn't know what to do. She's three months pregnant. She's by herself. And, uh, I just really, really, um, appreciate that, you know, that part of the story. And I want to bring that out for you, BC nation. And I ask you as you're listening right now, who in your life, in your family or extended family, is suffering right now. There's at least one person. You know them. Who are they? And what could be one small little action that you take to interrupt their suffering, to lean into that uncomfortable place of not minding your own business, but loving them? So write down their name and write down one little action right now that you could take this week uh, to really just love them in a new way in a real way. Terry, thank you for letting me go there. And thank you for bringing that um, part of your story up. My job here is, you know, a host is to kind of excavate through your story and pull out the the gold and mine through it. So thank you for that. I want to go back to God because we really uh, spoke about how your, your family showed up for you. How did God show up for you? Right. You say the prayer, you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and savior. You're 25 years old. Uh, what changed? What changed in your life after that moment specifically? Give me one or two things. Yeah,
1: there there were so many. One was my mom coming because that was, uh, again, she was in her own mess. So that was a miracle in itself. The other thing was, so, so there were things that happened before I accepted Christ. I could tell God was working in my life. And then there were things that happened as a direct result of me turning over my life. So just some things leading up to it was the fact that um, I'm... On my own, I probably wouldn't have had the baby, Uh, Travis, who's my oldest son right now. I I would have not made that choice to have Travis during that under those circumstances. I that would have been my nature at that point in my life. I I didn't really see anything wrong with abortion. And God already started. He stepped in and changed my heart before um, to where that wasn't that became uh, not an option for me. So I saw that happen prior to that. When I received Christ, I I had to start back over in my job, working back on a retail floor after, you know, again, rising up to being a buyer in this world. And now I'm because I'm pregnant, I'm a single woman. And this is, you know, the early eighties. I had to um, start back on, you know, the floor and just salesperson. And then the way God brought people into my life to move me up very quickly, uh, provision just kept coming I uh, had not a penny to my name and neither did my mother, by the way, just because of what was happening in her life, uh, just provision and in favor. And I just, I, then I got moved to another uh, city and took on a, a job in c- cable advertising, which I had no background in, but the doors opened for that. That put me mm. on the bottom floor of something new. That's back when there was no advertisement on like MTV and ESPN and, MT, you know, the, you know, there was no local advertising on those cable channels back then. I was part of the company that first started that and putting local advertisements. So we produced and sold local commercials, got into that position. And it just, my career took off from there, just by meeting some people in my life that God, um, you know, just, uh, conveniently let me meet, uh, that saw some potential and saw, and then I, you know, it just started going up. There was a lot of choices that I had to make being a single mom and being a selfish person that I was at the time and a very fleshly person at the time that I um, I just started thinking differently. I mean, my mind was started being transformed because I was asking for it. I, I thought I can't do this. I don't have the, the skills to do this as a single mom, getting some job opportunities. Now my career is going up. I need my mind transformed because I'm a selfish person and I've been doing all this stuff out of hurt. And I realized that cause I was starting to see that and God just transformed my mind. He started putting things in my mind to change it, to make me think towards different things, healthy, uh, started making healthier decisions. And yeah, uh, amazing. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So BC nation, wherever you are in your spiritual journey right now, um, I think, you know, Terry's inspiring us, um, wherever you are, it's okay. That's the first part. It's okay. You are unique. Your situation's not, we all have the same struggles. Maybe you're in very similar struggles to Terry right now in your life. Maybe you're a woman listening to the show and you're single. Um, you know, the man left, or the father of your baby left, and, and you're trying to figure this out on your own and, and you're wrestling with that choice. You know, do I keep my baby or do I go back to my life? Right. And, and go back to the easiness and the comfort of that and, and get rid of this baby. Like that's, that's a real life-changing decision. And I've had many guests on the show that have had abortions. And have lived with regrets of that abortion for years and years and years, like 20, 30 years. And it just impacted like every part of their their life in a a negative way. So if if that's you right now, really uh, look to people around you, good Christian uh, people, role models older than you, um, and just ask them advice on that. You know, I want to keep my baby, for example. How do I do it? I have no one. I have no help. Where do I go? These are good questions. People want to help. So I just want to put that there, Terry. Terry, let's fast forward real quick and then we got to wrap up. Um in your nonprofit today, do you get to help women uh, right now that to start their own nonprofits that are in similar situations that you were in back then?
1: I do. Uh, We have we have over 40 non smaller nonprofits underneath our umbrella that we work with. And they're all doing amazing and wonderful things uh, from, you know, working with sex trafficking and homeless and championing uh, foster children and just all different kinds of things. Uh, so there are women and usually you're coming, you're starting a nonprofit out of, you know, it's a life experience right out of usually something that's happening in your life that um, you're working through and that you want to help others work through. So a lot of women are And there's been a lot of very, uh, there's been a lot of other things in my life that I worked through as well. So these women that are starting these nonprofits, I do get to talk to them about some of their struggles and some of the things I've been through. And that's, that's amazing in itself. And then to watch them, you know, do the work that God's calling them to do, but have the support they need, because that's what they're, that's what they're missing. They're missing that support piece of how do I do a budget? How do I fundraise? How do I um, manage my time? I just never was taught that. So we just, we're, we're basically we basically mentors. We're basically uh, ministry mentors who come and say, let me show you how, let me teach you how to do this. Let me do some of the back office support for you to free you up to, to do what God's calling you to do. And yeah, I think it's, um, I'm blessed to be able to not only help these women, but to get to know them and hear their stories and share mine with them.
0: That's really great. We are speaking with Terry Burnett. Uh, She is the founder and executive director of Women's Nonprofit Alliance. You can find them at womensnpa.org. And Terry, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quickfire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Awesome. I love how your eyes just went big when you heard the confession round. (laughs) Okay. What's your favorite thing about God?
1: Gosh, quick, right? Uh, uh, he speaks. He, he speaks, speaks. I listen. Uh, he's real and he's alive today and he's speaking to me now and I'm listening.
0: What's your least favorite thing about God?
1: Timing. He doesn't always work when I want him to work.
0: <laughs> he's not a genie in the sky. Darn it. What are you most afraid of?
1: Yeah, you know, I've had to really come to grips with that lately, being alone.
0: Yeah, I get that. A lot of people through this pandemic, for sure. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. What are you personally struggling with right now or professionally struggling with right now, other than loneliness?
1: Um, Struggling with right now. Um, I think just being... Uh, mentally healthy, as mentally healthy as I can be. I'm I'm struggling with some, some things I've had to work through in my past and now it's been challenging, especially with last year on the mental health uh, front, but I know I can't be the leader to others that I need to be if I'm not mentally healthy. So it is a, it is a daily struggle. It's a daily renewing, renewing of your mind. So I think that's probably what I'm struggling with right now.
0: Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: (sighs) Sitting in doctor's offices. I had had a year of health related crisis things and just had to, had to go in doctor's offices to get back up on, ended up in a, in a lawsuit. So there was, spent a lot of time in doctor's offices for personal, uh, entry. I got it.
0: What secret fear do you have about people?
1: Oh, fear about people.
0: How you relate to them? How they relate to you? What secret fear do you have?
1: Yeah, I'm not not really a fearful person, especially and and people. I know there's something out there, but um, I guess transparency. um, I don't or being. I'm going to say trust. I'm going to go with trust. Trust is has been broken in my life a lot, and so it's, is I can, you know, try to, to give people the benefit and trust them. And I think I do a much better job now, but yeah, that would probably be.
0: Yeah. Got it. Yeah. To dig for that one a little bit. Right. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God?
1: That he is in the details and that he's in the little things that uh, nothing's too small for him to ask, to, to go through. There've been a lot, a lot of times when I would ask him for things or, or told him in, in, um, would have been further ahead if I'd have realized he cares about the daily things yeah, in my he really
0: life. Does. He wants to do life with us, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he does.
0: What's a new habit you want to create in your life?
1: Um, well, I'd have to say the, the general answer right now, eating better and our general health uh, in, in general, you know, well, in general, the, as far as this, are you looking for spiritual habits or are you looking for anything?
0: Nah. What's a bad habit you want to break?
1: Oh, I don't have any bad habits. Uh, mm, uh, spending more time reading and in God's Word and less time winding down in front of the TV at night.
0: That sounds like a bad habit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pick three words to describe who you are now.
1: Confident, self aware, and transparent. Got
0: it. Pick three words to describe who you were before you turned your life over to Christ
1: arrogant, um, emotionally unstable and selfish.
0: Got it. And Terry, if you could come back to life after you died, look your friends and family, your sons in the eye, and give them only one piece of advice about everything. What would you say to them?
1: Listen to God. Just keep praying that you have eyes to see and ears to hear because he is trying to show you something daily. It's more than just reading words from a book. It is, he is alive and he is well and he is in this world today and he's in you. So he's telling you and he's talking to you every day. We're just not listening if we're not hearing him. If, if, if we don't get revelations from God, it's not him. It's you. So listen.
0: Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having that relationship with God and hearing him versus not?
1: Never give up trying. I had to learn to listen to him and there were principles I put in my life to uh, get better at listening to him. I, I think that a lot of my close friends would say that that is the one thing they would say is she hears from God. And I think that that's just because um, I I believe, I believe that he does talk and I believe every word that he says. And so, um, yeah. Got
0: it. What's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose?
1: Our website, like you've, you've mentioned, is uh, womensnonprofitalliance.org. Uh, email, you can email me directly at terry at womensmpa.org. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from anyone, that, especially if you want to start a nonprofit or grow your own nonprofit, if you already have one, we'd love to help you and be there and, and be your back office support.
0: And they can be anywhere in the world, correct?
1: Correct. Yes. Uh, most of the, our 40-something nonprofits are in the U.S. Uh, they are doing things, doing work in other areas of the world. Uh, but actually, you do have to have a, be a U.S. citizen. Let me rephrase that. Uh, because of um, rules and gover- governing rules in other countries with their nonprofits that we aren't we aren't familiar with, so it. it is through uh, you have to be a U.S. citizen in this state. I mean, in this country, but you can be doing work in any part of the world.
0: Got it. So they, but they can be located in anywhere in the United States, right? So somewhere right. in Pennsylvania, you could help them with their nonprofit, or New York. Right.
1: Yeah. And we are doing that. We've got nonprofits in, in, a, in a lot of states.
0: Awesome. All right, BC Nation. If you are a women a nonprofit owner, director, and you want a little back office help because you're pulling your hair out because you're, you're just doing it all and you can't grow it by yourself that way. It's not scalable and you want the help and you want to learn how to build a team underneath you and do it the right way and really scale what God has put on your heart. Why not reach out to Terry Burnett? Uh, You can find it at womansnpa.org. Terry, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life.
1: Thanks, Joseph. Same to you.
0: BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business.